Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Linda Lamp here with my co-host, Mary Ardania, and we're taking up Let's Become a Beloved Society, Conversations Illuminating Your Path to Wholeness. Thank you for joining us today or listening after the fact. Uh, we do these broadcasts. We try to do them every Friday at 11 a.m. Alaska time, noon Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can uh, call into the studio phone. I have it here with me at 907-351-3003. You can also send your questions uh, now or later to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. And uh, we're, we're here to answer your questions, both about the subjects at hand and also uh, anything we've talked about in the past or anything that you're, <clears throat> excuse me, needing help with. Mary, we've lost your video. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Uh, there you go. It was on purpose. I had to switch chairs. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So I don't know uh, how many of you uh, happened to catch the interview that Jim Masters did with me yesterday on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we did a half hour interview at 4 p.m. Eastern time and it was uh, noon Alaska time. You can find that on my uh, Linda Lamp Facebook page and also, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it'll be on the website. It hasn't gotten there yet, but it'll be on the website. We're adding a whole section on the website, uh, lindalamp.com with uh, a link to these podcasts and also to the radio interview from yesterday with Jim Masters. And then I have a seven-month radio uh, program coming up, I believe, starting in October with uh, Transformation Talk Radio. Uh, so we'll have more information about that as well. So let's get into uh, the first subject today is uh, the question of the day today is what about karma? And that actually is a response to the interview that I did yesterday, because in the interview yesterday, we were talking about things like looking at life like it's a play and, and how our, all of our life purposes are the same to create heaven on earth. And so the question came in, what about karma? Where does karma fit in to this model that I'm describing of life? There are a lot of teachings out there about karma. There are a lot of teachings out there that tell us that uh, we have karma from, from other lives and that if we don't do something right in this life, then uh, we'll have karma from that that will follow us into another life. And, and it's interesting because at the same time that it's not true, it has a little bit of truth to it. So most people think about lives as concurrent or not concurrent, as, as uh, sequential. So you have a past life of this and then before that you were something else and before that, before that. In the model of life, as I understand it, it's not sequential, it's concurrent. 
And so with the karmic laws that people talk about where if you don't, you know, if you did something bad in another lifetime, then you're going to come back and experience that badness yourself or something along those lines. That may or may not happen. And it's really a, uh, both a decision that you'll make together with the collective and also uh, whether or not it fits into the play at hand. So it's important to let go of these ideas of punishment, awaiting punishment or retribution, because those are qualities about life that really don't exist. We are not here to experience any form of retribution from a previous lifetime, from what we did, even in a concurrent, if you want to call it concurrent lifetime of something that we did. That isn't how it's working. It's not about that. We are energetic beings, however. And what can happen is we can create sort of energetic feedback loops. And so we can be going through life. And if we're going through life of an attitude that we don't like what life is giving us, so imagine, you know, you're going through life with your hand out like this. No, no, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. What can happen is you can stop other frequencies of energy being able to be received because you've created this energy feedback loop of no, of, of resistance. It's putting up a wall, basically. You've walled yourself in to a bubble where you're at a frequency of resistance, which I don't know where that is on the scale, but it's below 500 for sure. It's probably down in the 200 to 300 range, maybe even lower. So what happens when love comes along, when some high frequency comes along and tries to present itself to you. It's as if you're perhaps the pearl inside the oyster. You can't receive it because you've put this wall of resistance up around you. It's not karma. It's simply how the energy is flowing. And so this is why I, I talk about how often, how frequently, or how important rather it is for you to think about raising your energy, trying to get yourself into a place where you're vibrating at love or above and letting go, healing the things that are causing you to feel angry or depressed or sad or uh, competitive greedy. I mean, there's a whole, I could get the list in front of me if we want to. Um, but that whole range of, of feelings that many people go through on a daily basis, anger, resentment, jealousy, want, need, those feelings are energetic imprints 
that you're radiating. And, and it is true at a certain level that what you put out is what you'll get back again, because you form this sort of energy feedback loop. And like goes where like is, right? So it, it it's a, a natural flowing. And people like that will tend to gravitate together. When you're talking in politics, sometimes people will use the term echo chamber. And that's because if you only hang out with people who think and believe what you think and believe, you, you kind of have created an echo chamber for yourselves. And you're really not open to the flow of everything that is here. Uh, some of those other energies are things like lack and scarcity. Uh, Mary, do you have anything you want to jump in and share at this point? Um, it's more of a question for you than a sharing because, sure. you know, here I am sitting in my life where you know, mostly I'm okay with how my life is. Did that sound really enthusiastic? <laughs> um, most of my resistance energy is around things like now I have to get up and go to work. And even though I like this job more than any other job I've ever had, I still, you know, some days have a really hard time going there. And if I didn't have to like work to pay bills, I wouldn't be going to this job. And I know a lot of other people also have similar feelings about their work. So that whole resistance energy thing comes up big time when it has to do with supporting ourselves in this, you know, society where we need money to pay the rent and stuff. Um, so I'm wondering if you have anything that could lighten that sense of, resistance that I feel around that right now, especially, I mean, it's hard lately. I'm particularly tired and I'm dragging, dragging. I was the other day on the way into work, walking from the trolley, I was singing, dragging my ass to work, really don't want to go. Now I do deal with things like that, singing, making up nonsense songs, laughing, but like, you know, I'm having a hard time. And I know I am not the only one because I've been having a lot of conversation with friends in similar circumstances. So got anything for us, Linda? <laughs> so let me say, as you know, you are not alone. Uh, I think that uh, right now on this planet, I think there are more people that are waking up every day going, ugh. I have to deal with this day uh, than perhaps ever in the history of mankind, right? The energies right now on this planet are uh, extremely challenging to live through in, in, these, in, in these 3D bodies that we're residing within. <clears throat> so as you were talking, what came to me was uh, the idea of trying to incorporate an element of curiosity into looking at the day. Because no matter what we think is going to happen when we get up, it's not usually how things go. 
right? In any given day, something will come up, something unplanned for, unintended, unthought of will show up in most cases. And so perhaps just trying to become a bit more curious about the play and what's going to be presented to you because we're not in control. We think we are. And we put ourselves in these roles where I get up and I go to work five days a week for this school, you know, um, and that's fine, you know, and, and, and the collective and, and the, 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 the energy of divinity can look at that and go, okay, you know, we can fit that into the play, but ultimately uh, you came here to create heaven on earth in a particular way. And when you find that, you'll know it. And some days I think you've, you've sort of felt that where you are is, is, is that place. Yeah. And so, so it, what it what it requires is really a a letting go of the thought that we're really in any kind of control, and and taking it taking life at much more of a moment to moment basis, and dealing with what's in front of me right here right now. And yeah, there's this larger picture of I wouldn't get out of bed and go to work if I didn't have bills to pay. But, you know, I think after a while, you would get tired of not getting up and getting out of bed. Something would, would kick in because you did come here with an idea of a way to create heaven on earth for yourself and those around you, those whose lives you touch, right? And I think, I, I, I think if you were to become more curious, what would happen is some of that original planning would start to surface. So because we wrote the play. We are the authors of the play. We're also the actors in the play. But there is a there is somewhere we're going. It, it, you know, like the movie. We may be we may be in a scene out of sequence even, but there is a purpose and a where we're going. I feel like my role is cut and I've been shoved into a role as an extra in someone else's play. <laughs> That's fascinating, right? That's fascinating. And I, I would encourage you to uh, spend some time meditating with that. I will. Because I think there's some interesting information in there. Uh -huh. you, you might find for yourself. There's some, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that's fascinating. And I think that 
many people feel that, right? I think lots and lots of people, I don't think you're alone in that feeling because I think a lot of people, they get to a point in their life and they're, and, and, and then they're, they kind of are given pause, like, is this it? And a lot of times that comes after following in the footprints or the, the footsteps that someone else wanted you to take, right? There's a lot of dynamics around parents and children and children end up doing and becoming and growing up to be what their parents want them to be quite often. Maybe a little less now because I think there are a lot more awakened parents that are, are more open to allowing their child to grow and express without the influences of I want you to be this way. You know, with my new puppy, I see it. You can definitely force a creature to be a particular way. But in that in in doing that, you rob that creature of their own their own nature and their own desires and their own dreams. And I think that that's happened to a lot of us when we're growing up. A lot of us, especially when we're very young and we're expressing our dreams and our plans are shut down by the adults around us, either told that what we're saying doesn't make any sense or that'll never happen or that isn't possible. And many people have their dreams stifled to a degree that they forget them. They forget them and they live the rest of their lives not remembering them. See, that's, that was before. I would say that that was before. And then I found new dreams and I had what I thought was my new path in life. And it just, it's like, I feel like it's not really going anywhere, hasn't gone anywhere. You know, worse than not knowing what you want to be when you grow up is thinking you know and then having it not work out and then trying to figure out what you're supposed to be next. I don't feel like I'm suffering from the family stifling my dreams. I feel like now I'm suffering from God stifling my dreams. How's that for a conversation? <laughs> I feel like I had dreams and ideas and the universe has been like, go ahead, try it, but pow, pow, slap me down. So, you know, this, what we're doing, that's part of whatever little dreams I have left. But like, I've basically just, I don't know, I guess it's that question of what's the difference between surrender and giving up. I feel like I'm hijacking the conversation, but it's because this is what's going on with me. I'm just tired. Nothing really worked out after I discovered my dreams. I remember when I read The Alchemist and it said that like, if you keep ignoring your dreams when they knock on your door, they stop knocking because it just makes you so sad. But then like, anyway. It just feels like I was shown a vision of what I wanted and I see other people doing it. 
and it it's back to that thing of I feel like people don't want what I have to offer. So I'm just what if it's just a matter of timing? What yeah. if it's just a matter of timing? I and don't live forever in this body. No, <clears throat> no. <laughs> I, but you've set yourself, you you know when you're going to retire. You've set a date for that. And then at that point, you know, you're not going to have to be getting up every day and going to a job. And so perhaps because okay, there I'll is, buy it. you know, there is also the, the larger picture happening, right? The unfolding of what's coming and and, and what's coming, for those of you that, that, that don't know or, or haven't heard, what's coming is a consciousness shift where we recognize that we are all one and that we operate from that place of oneness. We are connected to each other. And everything that we do impacts everyone and everything around us. And so, you know, I'll, I'll remind you of one of my favorite Neil Donald Walsh quotes that God said to him, your life isn't about you. Your life is about everyone you touch and how you touch them. And that means everyone. It means the trolley driver. It means the grocery store person, the coffee clerk. It means everybody, everybody. The receptionist at the doctor's office, the tech support guy on the phone. Yeah. So, so, and I can personally attest to nobody wants to hear it, right? Nobody is interested in what I'm offering. I've had that experience my whole life. From the time I was tiny, from the time I could first learn to talk and yeah. put into words my story, my memory, my plans. Nobody wanted to hear it. And that's most children's experience when they go to share their inner deepest secrets, the things that they want to share the most. Most children are met with the same resistance. But things are changing. And more and more people are listening. And one of the things that I think is so interesting is that I'm watching teachers that I've followed that, so I have never found a teacher that had all of the pieces that I have for the simple fact that I still haven't met another person at the teaching level who's, who's out there in the world teaching this stuff that has the memories of the other side. I have met other people that have those memories. I had a housekeeper that worked for me once that had those memories of the other side before coming here yeah. and remembered discussions and conversations but I haven't ever met a teacher to follow that has had that experience. And so anyone I have found 
that has been close to having the, the kind of vision of the world that I have, have still always missed a little bit of the mark. But what's happening is even those teachers are starting to come closer to the full understanding that I have, even without those memories now. And so, so I know that it's happening. I know that we are unfolding on this planet an understanding of love at a level where you will be needed. You will, your offerings will be of value. And I think that it's simply a, a matter of timing. You know, that, that bishop can't go zoom on the chessboard until there's a clear shot, right? If there's a pawn in the way or somebody else in the way, he can't go all the way down there and take the queen. So it's, it, it and so, so what, what becomes the challenge then is, is like I said, just accepting what's showing up in the moment. And it's, it, and, and what, what's making it more difficult is the actual physical energy on earth right now. And yeah. I can attest to that because I have experienced more resistance from my own body about life in general in the last, I don't know, six months. Yeah. A few months, and six months. Then, then I've, then I've ever experienced in my life. Well, that I'm makes me feel work, a little better. I'm having to work especially hard to stay present, to stay, you know, all the tools that I have and that I've used for years that have worked super well for me are not working so well. Yeah, it's so it's freaking like, heavy and I'm it, just so tired. Right, right, <laughs> right. Me too, you know, me too. And my, my, the sleep apnea is not helping. Learning how to deal with all of that is not helping. And yeah, I may be able to master the machine and make my numbers so Medicare will pay for the machine, but I'm not getting any better sleep. Um, so, you know, everything, everything is in turmoil right now. And that's, that's uh, the part of the collective. So I think this is a good place to uh, perhaps segue and, and welcome to, it uh, just says Facebook user, so I'm not sure who it is. Better late dot, dot, dot. Yes, better late than never, I'm assuming. Sounds like Nanette, but not sure because it just says Facebook user, but welcome to whoever's uh, here watching and uh, again, and to anybody listening later. I'm happy to have you here. And again, you can call the studio phone, 907-351-3003 if you have a question, or you can also email questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. So let's make a little segue. Yes, it is Nanette. Welcome, Nanette. So, so happy to have you here. So Mary, uh, Give us the topic that you you had uh, introduced so, to me prior to the podcast. Yeah, the topic I had discussed talking about this week is accountability, because earlier this week, 
you know, California has mandated every two years we have to have anti-sexual harassment training in the workplace. So we had our training and I said, you know, the attorney's like, I come here every two years, you've heard my spiel. So let's be more interactive so we're not all bored. So, you know, it was just sort of spitballing topics at the beginning. And I said, am I the only one who's thought that things would be, like some people just need to learn how to say, I didn't mean it that way and I'm really sorry, you know? Like just to be able to acknowledge I made a mistake and I wish I hadn't and I'm sorry about it. Like this is such a big problem in discussing anything difficult is people jump immediately to being so defensive. Like out there in the world when somebody says, oh, you know, Joe Biden creeped me out by smelling my hair or something. These people, never mind someone like Weinstein or whoever, but like they never just say, oh my God, I didn't realize that could be creepy and times have changed and I'm just sorry I did that. Or like with the, with the race conversations, you know, like if someone tries to bring to your attention or any kind of bias, you know, race, gender, whatever, people try to bring to your attention that something you said might be hurtful or harmful. And instead of just saying, oh, I didn't realize that and I'm sorry, people go straight to, I'm not a racist, you know? It's like, we all have biases. And what if we all just learn to accept that we all have biases? And my job is not to say, I'm not a whatever. My job is to say, oh, look, I am noticing that I'm having a reaction to that person based on they're a male versus a female. They're a, you know, different race than me. I do this all the time. I notice, do I feel more tense when that person walking towards me is a man versus a woman, is a white man versus a black man? You know, I just notice my reactions. Right. And then I don't have to act out based on those reactions because I'm aware and I tell myself rationally if there's reason, you know, it's like people just need to be more aware and we have to be willing and comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations, I think. So that might be a little more introduction than I thought I was going to do. But that's that's fine. That You did yeah. a great job, Mary. Um, so I'm going to put this in terms of 20th century versus 21st century. Yeah. In the 20th century and in centuries prior, in probably all centuries prior, things like sexual predation, workplace discrimination, workplace violence, workplace harassment, domestic uh, violence, domestic violence, all of these things were a matter of course. They were, and, and in many ways continue to be, how we interact with each other. 
expected and normalized. Exactly. Exactly. And thought nothing of. And additionally, not discussed, particularly in the cases of domestic violence, uh, sexual predation. None of these things are uh, topics that would be uh, commonly brought up or talked about. Not considered proper for polite society. How's that? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So they were norms. They were. They were norms. But I want to put everyone on notice. Everyone in the world on notice. If you haven't already. That the 21st century. Is about reparations and reconciliation. Yeah. And we will no longer. Tolerate workplace harassment, sexual predation, domestic violence, none of these things. None of these things because we are coming into the age of Aquarius where we understand what oneness truly means. And I'll come back to that quote from from Neil Donald Walsh that God gave him. Your life isn't about you. It's about everyone your life touches and how, how you touch them. And so I'm sure that someday there'll be someone listening to this that is, I, I don't like the word guilty, but that has, that has engaged in any one of those things that we just mentioned. I want you to think about your actions in terms of that quote. So I'm going to share a story. Uh, this is a real story. This is true. The mayor of the Kenai Peninsula Borough in Alaska, which is a very large uh, area in in, uh, acreage. It's the entire peninsula that sits south of Anchorage uh, in Alaska. And and it encompasses not just uh, that land that's attached there, but it even uh, encompasses some islands. Kodiak Island is off the coast of the Kenai Peninsula, and it is included in terms of the government in that governmental agency. So that mayor uh, is also running for a governor this year, governor of the state of Alaska. And he recently uh, stepped down from being mayor. He claimed uh, to work on his gubernatorial race. I think he got 6% of the primary vote. So uh, it doesn't even make a lot of sense, right? Why someone who only received 6% of the primary vote would give up their mayoral job uh, to run for governor. But in any case, that's what he announced. Well, then it became clear uh, to the people in the borough that, and a borough is like a county, for those of you that are not familiar with that term, 
um, like in Louisiana, they're parishes. Uh, in Alaska, they're boroughs. Uh, in other places, they're counties. But it, it became public that the real reason behind Mr. Pierce stepping down for governor or no, or for from mayor and to run for governor was really that there was a workplace harassment claim against him and uh, he agreed to step down to avoid a lawsuit. Then it became public that there were actually three of these claims, whether they happened over time or not, I'm not sure. Um, so he stepped down effective the end of the month though. He's gonna stay in his term as mayor until September 30th. The borough assembly had a meeting. They realized that they needed to uh, deal with the filling that seat. And because of the way state statutes are written, uh, they pretty much had to do an appointment. So they appointed somebody. Bear in mind that none of this is really spoken to in the state statutes. Doesn't tell anybody what to do in a case of workplace harassment uh, or anything about any of this. So these people are all just trying to do the right thing. And the public is angry. So they called a special meeting to be held on Sunday, this past Sunday, to determine what would be publicly released by the borough because they believe that there is some liability on the borough's part, financial liability, some financial risk. So they call a special meeting and they have enough people show up that they can, they can hold the meeting. Well, the first thing that comes to everybody's mind is they're holding a meeting on Sunday, and this is a very um, particularly not so much the part of of the borough that I live in, although there are a lot of churches here and people do go to church, but that side of the peninsula is uh, much uh, further uh, into sort of a, a more radicalized Christianity over there. I'll call it that. So for them to hold a, a, a governmental meeting on a Sunday meant something was really important. So I attended and paid attention. And uh, what's interesting is that a state legislator uh, showed up who lives in that area. And he made public comments as, a, as an individual citizen. He wasn't speaking as a state legislator, but he is a state legislator. And he called the fact that they were having a meeting over uh, these topics. He referred to the topics, and bear in mind, the topic is the resignation of the borough mayor due to uh, workplace harassment accusations. He called this mundane in nature. And he ridiculed them for holding a meeting on a Sunday because the topic was mundane in nature. I think this is a very clear example of 
20th century mentality versus 21st century mentality. Because when you're talking about things like workplace harassment or sexual harassment in the workplace or domestic violence, what you're talking about, and by the way, Charlie Pierce, if you look at his court view record, has a very long history of domestic violence in his personal life. So you can imagine that it is mundane in nature to him, certainly. It's mundane in nature to the people who partake in these kinds of behaviors, but it's not mundane in nature to the rest of us. Because any of these actions cause trauma in another person. And when you're causing trauma of any kind in another person, it is not an act of mundane in nature. This is where personal responsibility has got to be taken. This is where it starts. Your life isn't about you. It's about everyone you touch and how you touch them. And that doesn't have to be in a physical way. It can be in, uh, only in an emotional way or with your words. Yes. Now, it's also important, however, that we clarify where responsibility lies. It is inappropriate to do, say, or in any way cause trauma in another person. That is never a good way to communicate. It is never appropriate. There is never a time when causing trauma in another can be justified as far as I can understand. Happy to have a discussion about that if you think there's some you know, if somebody out there thinks that there's an appropriate time to traumatize someone else, uh, let, let's, let's talk about it. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. But yes, let's um, be open to discussion. Right, right. At the same time, though, what I want to let me just finish this thought, Mary, and then you can you can chime yeah. in. Um, at the same time, we have to stop saying you made me feel dot, dot, dot. Yeah. So, again, this is about personal responsibility. Where does it start? It starts with ourselves. And it starts with doing what we can to make sure that we're being as healthy as we can with ourselves because we have to be healthy and loving of ourselves first before we can really offer anything out to the world in any other, to anyone else. But when, when somebody does something and we respond by saying, well, you, you made me, you make me unhappy. That is not a true statement. You have to own your, yourself. So 
when you're in these conversations with people, start by saying I. Don't say you. Say I. Own it. Own it. And that's the only way you're going to work your way through these difficult conversations with someone else who is traumatizing you. Say, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm unhappy. I feel this way when you do that. Not you do that and it makes me this. Own it. I feel this. When you do that, I feel this. Now you're clearly communicating with them and it gives them the ability to make a choice. Because up until that time, you never said what you were. You might have told them what you thought they were. But you need to say what you are. Where are you in it? Now, in a place where you know, you, you, let's say you're in a workplace situation and you've been told that when you did something, this person uh, became afraid of you. You know, maybe you slammed a door and, and your secretary who sits outside that door became frightened of your anger. She needs to be able to say, I become uncomfortable when you get angry and start slamming things. And you need to be able to hear that. And then you can say in response, I'm, I'm so sorry, I had no idea. But I can guarantee you if, if you're the secretary and you try to explain to that person and you start with you, you, you're not going to get them to hear you because they'll immediately become defensive. Mary. Um, a couple things, if I can remember them. Uh, one thing, the difference between responsibility and accountability. So, for instance, in your example of the guy slams the door, and it scares the secretary. Um, the guy who slams the door is responsible for what happened. And he needs to be accountable for his actions. But the secretary also is accountable for her experience. She's not responsible for what happened, but she still, she had the experience. She's the one who has the trauma so she has to be accountable like in a domestic violence situation you know you're not responsible for what's happening to you but you're accountable in the sense that it's your body and your being that's having the experience and that was i just find that a sort of clear way to understand it and so even if i'm not at cause for what happened I need to process the experience for myself. And, you know, that can involve looking at my triggers, which wouldn't necessarily have to do with that person, 
right? So that's the thing like I'm talking about, like I have different reactions to different people. So that's another part of the process is looking at, I always say, you know, unless you're my mother, you didn't install my triggers. So those are my, you know, those are my business. I need to figure out why I'm having an outsized reaction to that thing you said, you know? So that's another aspect of what we're talking about here. And like Linda says, you know, take that finger you're pointing outwards and point it towards yourself because like the thing happens to us. We don't have control over that. But what we make of our experience is what we have some influence over, if not total control, you know? We take the things that happen and we define our experience and what they mean to us from that. So um, that's what I wanted to say about that. Yeah. So um, Nanette says, don't you think that those who traumatize are victims of trauma? Is This isn't an excuse, but more of a reason. And those of us who can help or speak to the first um, traumatized person and have a conversation with alternative ways of living. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sure if this is Nanette still or not, but I literally just heard a wonderful conversation in teaching our children by our example. Um, so yes, definitely. Uh, people who traumatize other people are definitely people who've been traumatized. And, and now is the time for all of us to look inward, acknowledge our traumas, and do our best to heal them. Right. And the person who's being traumatized is probably not the best person Correct. to do that for the person who is traumatizing them. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Uh, I think in, in most cases, exactly. You, yeah. It's a whole separate thing. But yes. what it is, is it's giving people who, uh, so for example, Charlie Pierce, you go to his court view, lots of domestic violence, uh, lots of other cases. I, I didn't even look at all these. Uh, there were lots of minor offenses, whatever they were. I didn't look at all of them. Um, but so uh, when he left NSTAR, there was some uh suspicion or cloud or something about the conditions under which he left that job when he then ran for mayor. Now he's got another cloud over him as he's leaving uh, his mayorship. Perfect opportunity to look at those things and say, hey, what's going on? Maybe I have something I need to work on. Maybe there's something I need to heal in me. Maybe I can be a better person if I look at these things and, and address them and strive to uh, work through them. Put, you know, for every trauma that we have, it really is like we're carrying around a, like a five pound suitcase. And so count them up. You know, how many traumas do we have? Yeah, I think I've cleared all of mine, but here's the thing. Here's what I find out. I find out through life something new happens and a, a trauma that I 
a buried trauma that I was unaware of surfaces. Yeah. So my choice in that moment is either to just ignore it or go ahead and embrace it and, and learn from it and heal it. It, you know, the, the, the saying hurt people, hurt people is, is fundamentally at the core of all of this conversation. Yes. I think traumas can also come up for deeper healing, like you've cleared it to an extent, but then there's a deeper wound that you missed. Right. Because it wasn't ready. That's why. Right. But another thing that we need to bring up, bring up, which is part of what Nanette said, but let's talk about it a little more, how we're raising our children. Because I'm thinking about how men, especially older men, have been raised. Hopefully we're doing better now, but I'm not sure. Because it was only a few years ago that I saw a woman in the park with her four or so year old kid telling him to man up and not cry, not cry. So it's like, if we don't let men when they're boys have the full range of their emotions, learn to process and express those emotions in healthy ways. It's like, if the only emotions we let boys and men have are anger, and the only ways we let them process is through violence, including violent sports and video games, then what do we expect they're going to be like when they grow up as grown men? I know what I expect, and we see it acting out in the world. Right. So, you know, it's a big, it's a big gnarly ball of, you know, old century paradigm that we are trying to untangle and reframe right a lot of myth busting yeah myth busting yeah a lot of a lot of archetypal um deconstruction yeah right archetypal deconstruction <laughs> i love it i'm down for that <laughs> well i mean and that and that's that's what we're seeing right that's what yeah we're seeing it in, in all kinds of ways. And we're seeing like some of the outrageous behavior that we're seeing out of some of our lawmakers, like uh, Greg Abbott busing, what he bust a hundred, uh, lost your video, bust a hundred uh, or something migrants to Kamala Harris's, the vice president's uh, house. What the actual, well, so uh, talk about archetypal deconstruction. They, 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 we're pushing at all of the limits, so uh, it will. Things will get torn down and rebuilt. They'll have to be, because of this kind of behavior, this sort of uh, total crazy outside <laughs> boundaries behavior. Um, Uh, so Nanette's saying this is a fantastic topic and could spill into next week. It's that important. Yeah. I appreciate that, Nanette, um, uh, because we do just have five minutes left uh, for those of us that are that are here right now. And we do have Jr. or not Jr. Ziggy, Little Master Ziggy is here with his Chewy. He's been in my lap the whole time. Little he's, Ziggy. He's being a very good uh, 
I don't want to lift him up for you to see because he's he's chewing on his rawhide right now, so he's quite occupied. <laughs> uh, this shows you how uh, concerned I am. Every time I come to the studio, I bring a rawhide. So now I have three extra rawhides. <laughs> <laughs> Plus the one he's chewing on. So uh, we are in a phase of breaking down archetypal uh, presets and and uh, establishing new new archetypal uh, uh, what is the word I want? Not idols, but uh, archetypes. Yeah, archety <laughs> archetypal frameworks. Yeah, I was just uh, thinking when you said that, I thought about that archetype of the the divine masculine that we want. You know the protector who keeps you safe and loves and nurtures. What a beautiful. Right. You know, right. we need more of those. We have some, we need more. Right. But, you know, I don't know that when we talk about creating a world of heaven on earth, I'm not sure people know what that means. And I yeah. think in a very real sense, what that means is it's a world where we never speak harshly to one another. Yeah, it's we a, love and care for each other. It's a world where there's no meanness. There's no unkindness. There are no harsh words. There are no arguments. You can have discussions. They can be even candid and, and um, animated discussions. But there's a difference. You cross a line when it turns into an argument. There's a, an element of, of wrongness that someone is embracing. And we'll come back to the, the primary uh, piece of it all is that everything is divinity in action. There isn't anything here other than divinity in form or otherwise. So there is nothing wrong. It can feel wrong because of the meanings that we have ascribed to things and because of the density and the uncomfortableness that our bodies experience. So we're about a minute out uh, and uh, uh, so Nanette says this issue has increased with the pandemic because nobody knew how to behave. True, really true. And the pandemic is just a part of the play, right? The pandemic happened in order to wake us up, to, to, to change things. We needed something to shake us up. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be the last thing either. So, uh, so back to what we said way back in the beginning. Try to embrace each day with a, an element of curiosity. What will today hold? <laughs> and, uh, uh, where am I going today? Where will life take me today? And you can even ask. You can even ask for things, uh, you know, at the beginning of the day. Please make my day as pleasant as possible. And with that, we'll wrap it up for today.
Thank you to those of you who were here and watching. Thank you, Nanette, for your comments. Uh, we'll be here again next week. And in the meantime, namaste and much love. Bye.